I do hope that you and Papa are as delighted as we are to have a granddaughter, or would you sooner have another grandson? Prince Albert, Duke of York, wrote to his mother, Queen Mary. I know Elizabeth wanted a daughter. His wife, the Duchess of York, had given birth by caesarean section to their first child at 2.40am on the morning of the 21st of April. Elizabeth Alexandra Mary of York was a plump infant princess, a blessing on a happy marriage, and although officially third in line to the throne, seen as little more. Crowds were cheering outside the house, but for others the monarchy was a hated symbol of privilege and repression, tottering at the top of an unfair system. Britain in 1926 was seized by worker unrest. In the previous spring, mine owners had informed their employees that wages would be lowered and hours increased. The union threatened industrial action. Stanley Baldwin's Conservative government authorised a royal commission into the matter, and it found for the mine owners. The TUC declared a general strike for the 2nd of May, calling out other workers including railwaymen, printers and dockers. It was a standoff, and they were determined to win. In such turmoil, the advancing pregnancy of the 25-year-old wife of the second son and third child of King George V, Albert Duke of York, was an unwelcome distraction for the Home Secretary, Sir William Joynson Hicks. Called early on the 21st of April, not long before he was due to attend a vital meeting between the Prime Minister and the coal owners, he hurried to the home of the Duchess's parents, 17 Bruton Street, in Mayfair. There, Elizabeth Alexandra Mary was born, he assented to her legitimacy and dashed back to his papers. The King and Queen arrived to visit their first granddaughter. The Princess Royal already had two sons. Queen Mary declared that the child was a little darling with a lovely complexion and pretty hair. The Duke and Duchess were equally happy. We have long wanted a child to make our happiness complete, the Duke wrote. They had waited three years, long, by the standards of the time. We are so anxious for her first name to be Elizabeth, as it is such a nice name, and there has been no one of that name in your family for a long time, the Duke told his father. Victoria was quickly discounted. He says nothing about Victoria. I hardly think that necessary, George V said of his son to Queen Mary. The name Elizabeth was chosen because it was her mother's, not to recall Elizabeth I. The princess took her names from her mother, her great-grandmother, and her grandmother, and indeed her initials were identical to those of her mother, E-A-M. She was named after consorts and wives, not ruling queens. Her destiny was to make a good marriage, possibly into a foreign royal family, and become a supportive wife and mother, just like her mother, the Duchess of York, her grandmother, Queen Mary, and her great-grandmother, Queen Alexandra. The heir to the throne would be the child of her as-yet-unmarried uncle, Edward, Prince of Wales, David, to his family. The House of Hanover, like ducks, produced bad parents said the Royal Librarian to Sir Harold Nicholson, biographer of George V. They trample on their young, he added. George I, 
the princess's great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, had arrived to rule in 1714 and began the Hanoverian line. He had made scant effort to speak English, and his son, George II, had been reclusive. Despite losing the American colonies, George III had been a widely popular king, both for his engagement with the country and his lengthy marriage with Queen Charlotte, and his sufferings from Porphyria only increased sympathy for him. His seven sons and six daughters did not follow his uxorious example, and before the arrival of Princess Charlotte, daughter of the Prince of Wales in 1796, they had managed to produce between them over 56 illegitimate children and no legitimate heir.